0: (laughs) hello and welcome to the shock horror podcast hello film lovers and welcome to the films i love most podcast the films i love most podcast is recorded live with live messaging so sometimes people do message in with very inappropriate comments we can't help that it's just the general public so if you hear something that is offensive or rude we try our best to put a stop to it but it might just sneak through so i do apologize for that but anyway let's move on Enjoy this episode of the Films I Love Most podcast.
1: Hello! Hello. Hello.
2: <laughs> yeah! I'm so excited! Yeah. Me too! <laughs> I'm so glad we could make this happen.
3: I'm so glad that even with distance and time changes and all of the nonsense that we have found each other and wow. we are going to talk about one of the best topics. I know.
0: The gravitational pull of the world, you know, like spinning the world around in different time zones is so unfair.
3: It is. It really does make it hard to just do the things we love the most. But I'm so happy to have connected with you here and to be talking with you today. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Okay, listen, when you've done your movie chats in the past, it channels (laughs) into everything that I love about um, movies, the passion that you have for them, the knowledge. And I've listened to pretty much every single chat that you've done about uh, movies in some context. And I just thought to myself, I have to speak to, to Shani B because she is literally um, just has my passion for film. So I just needed to talk to you.
3: Ah, uh, Well, thank That's you it. so much for saying that, because I really am obsessed with movies and I pretty much spend all of my time when I'm not working, thinking about them. And sometimes when I'm working, I think about them, too. But I, I do love this genre so much, and I love talking with other people who love it because it holds such a special special place in my heart, you know?
0: Absolutely. I think the thing is with horror movies is that they do, um, you know, you can have a horror film with so much going on in it. A lot of people just think it's a scary movie. There's like, you know, rah, 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 you know, scared, jump, scare, and everything. But there's so much more going on. It's like every sort of human condition is is mirrored in in horror, you know, and it's our biggest yep. emotion, isn't it? Fear of the unknown and, and fear in general and, you know, the fear of death. It's, mm-hmm. it's a universal thing that we all share. So I think that's why horror movies definitely hit a, a nerve with me. I love it. And I can't oh. wait for this conversation. I've done so much yes. research.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I feel like one of the reasons I love horror movies so much is because they are so human, at the end of the day, like regardless of what they explore and what they use to sort of get us to be at our most scared, there is this human (laughs) quality about them where I think in some ways, if you watch a lot of scary movies, it sort of equips you to challenge life because you have been, or like you've joined a character in some sort of life threatening situation where they prevailed. And, you know, in real life, it's sort of like, well, what, what haven't I seen?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, um, I personally grew up um, in the 90s so my first exposure to horror was uh, probably in the late 90s but obviously uh, with the invention of this thing called the VHS and the DVD player. yep yes. Do you remember those guys? DVD players oh. they were, I don't they're ancient now but <laughs> but um, I mean I
3: still have to own one because most of my movie collection comes from this time as well so I yes. have to still own it for the features can't lose the features.
0: That's right. People think that I'm crazy because I still collect Blu-ray. Like, I'm an avid Blu-ray coll- collector. and Absolutely. Um, people are like, but why? I am said, because the special features, I love it. You know, I go through them all. I, I don't know if you, do you have the Arrow film collections out in the States?
3: No, I'm not familiar with that, but I'll try uh, to look into yeah. it.
0: So Arrow Films is like a distribution company, but they repackage and sell off a lot of like classic horror movies. But they repackage Ooh. them with the most amazing extras. I think I probably have every single uh, Arrow film release, and I and um, oh. we have a festival. And I think I mentioned it actually on one of your chats before. But we have a yes. festival, Bright Fest, in London,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's sponsored by Arrow Video amazing i'm gonna
3: so, have to look into that because i yeah, did definitely. when i was in college have a dvd player that i that somebody unlocked so i could play international dvds on it and i yeah. wonder if it's in my storage somewhere because maybe i if they don't have something for it in the u.s maybe i can just bust that old piece out so i can get these features because i'm with you the, the features are like the best part
0: sure and they do really good limited editions as well so like the artwork on the cover is like original so they get Ooh. really top artists to come in and do amazing artwork. There's like postcards and posters and stuff that you can get in it. They've just um, released a special, um, a special limited edition release of Dario Argento's Demons One and Two. I don't think Ooh. Dario Argento directed them, but I think he produced them. But the uh, mm-hmm. Italian slash like slash American horror film, the Dem- uh, Demons One and Two, on this beautiful mm-hmm. release. And um, it's very weird when I ask like when people ask me what do you want for Christmas and I say I would like the special edition of Demons please and they're like oh okay is
3: that your Christmas movie I I am with you in that struggle it is so hard for me to respond to that question as well because I'm also always asking for things that people have the same sentiment about you know like why do you still want a Blu-ray and I'm like because I'm trying to watch this commentary so please give it to me
0: Absolutely, and also um, what they've released recently—they've been doing amazing, like box sets. So they released uh, the complete Hellraiser in a in a box <gasps> that looked like the the cube, uh, mm-hmm. but it was beautifully done. And they've also released all of the um, the House movies in a beautiful collector's box set. Yeah, so they do a um, hell of a lot.
3: Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have mm. to get connected to this content because I yeah, need it. I'm
0: starving
3: yes, Arrow, all the time.
0: Yeah, arrowfilms.com is the is the website, and if you go on there, they 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 also have like displays of all their limited edition um, artworks as well. I know they've got Tremors coming out. They've got a special edition oh. of Tremors. Um, oh my gosh. A uh, Crash. Do you remember that film, Crash? Um, uh, David Cronenberg, I think. Um, oh. Quite an, Yeah, it was about. It was quite. I remember watching it once and going, "Ew, this is gross." <laughs> um, but, but that's coming out. A wreck. The Spanish movie, you know, the Spanish film wreck. They're doing a, a box set of those released on Blu-ray. So really good, like high-quality stuff. And uh, the thing about Fright Fest, though, I have to tell you this. But mm-hmm. when you're when you're in Fright Fest, what you do is you purchase your ticket for the for the weekend, which is like the full event, mm-hmm. and then you have a specific seat that you sit in for the whole weekend to watch the film. So you, that seat is yours. <sighs> and then Ooh. directors will come and talk about their films before they're played and you can ask questions so you can put your hand up and ask a question but to encourage people to ask questions if you ask a question you get a free arrow film blu-ray
3: <sighs> okay so it is so you can imagine it across the board
0: <laughs> <laughs> i literally was putting my hand up probably two or three at times every session and I came away, I think last Fright Fest, I came away with about 21 Blu rays from Arrow Films. <laughs> and they were amazing. all the ones that I wanted. I got the limited edition um, Candyman uh, set that they <sighs> did of the, of the first three films, which is just brilliant. Mm. So, yes. yeah, when oh, you come Candyman over.
3: Candyman to... holds a special yeah. place in my heart.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. When you come over for Fright Fest, I'm going to be going, Tanny, put your hand up, put your hand up. We need some more Blu rays. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my God, I think my head might explode when I am in this space to finally have that kind of opportunity because oh, I've been to some screenings and I've asked a couple of questions that are a little bit more technical, but I've never really been able to geek out and talk to people that I'm like obsessed with. So I think it'll sure. be funny for everyone. <laughs>
0: It is, and it is a gruelling weekend. Like, people say, I say to my friends, oh, I'm knackered. I've been at, you know, I'm really tired. I've been at Fright Fest all weekend. And they're like, what are you tired for? You've sat and just watched movies. I went, yeah, guys, but I've watched 14 movies in three days or four days. And they're
3: horror movies. You and they they're, they're pretty charged. Yeah.
0: Yes. And some of them are good, and some of them are not so good, but they're all fun because you're enjoying it in, like, the environment of, you know, we're all here to have a good time. Well, uh, we might
3: have to try to find a way to have another conversation about, like, really bad horror movies, because I watch them all, so I would love to dig into some of them, because like we were talking about at the top, you know, like, even the worst horror movie is trying to do something human, it's just, you Mm -hmm. know, what are they capable of creatively executing with, you know, whatever money they had or their idea, and I'm always interested in following someone's idea, I think that's why I love sure. horror directors. You know, they have these really unique ideas. They expand in crazy ways.
0: Yep. There's two chats that I would definitely like to have with you after this one. Like two like, that I've got in my mind right now. Obviously, there's going to be thousands after that. But the two that yes. I've got in my break right now would be uh, the one that we were talking about before. So foreign um, horror movies. That's definitely one that I want to do. Yes. And the other one is uh, horror sequels
3: oh absolutely absolutely
0: yeah, yeah best I, or worst there, horror sequels
3: i was gonna say there's some real good ones and there are some real misses so that yeah. will be a great conversation
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so um amazing i really want to know when was your like introduction to horror what was the first sort of time that you remember horror being quite prevalent in your in your viewing <sighs>
3: Well, it was way early for comfort. Um, I came from a family that had a lot of cousins. So there was this group of like many cousins, you know, upwards of roughly like anywhere between three to 10 years older than me, that when I was around four or five, I was trying to be cool and hang out with. And they were all really into, you know, Jason and Freddie and the Poltergeist and the Poltergeist for me was really what made me a a true like fan and always want to watch it's something about Poltergeist and wanting to be Carol Ann like in my life and (laughs) as a child my mom was always like (laughs) my mom was always like you're you're kind of a scary person you know the things you play are are scary to me (laughs) because I wanted a my size Barbie for Christmas on my sixth year so I could play Poltergeist in my room and so I was playing poltergeist you know like so I feel like it, it definitely came way too early but it really hit a stride when I saw screen because I, I think I was in I think I was in like the fourth grade and I mm-hmm. my parents are divorced so I have that you know lucky thing where you, parents are trying to like make you like them a lot so they'll give you things that maybe they shouldn't give you yeah. and so I you know got some early access because I was really into it and it just scared the fucking shit out of me like just how realistic it felt compared to all the other horror I'd seen until then. I was just like, holy shit, like, I'm going to be in high school someday. I'm like, that could happen to me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this is real. It was crazy. Yeah. And so I feel like right in the 90s, I really hit that hot streak of just consuming every piece of horror that was coming out. And the teen slashers are so integral to my whole view of the genre because they're they start at the reality, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to say uh, from the very beginning, obviously me and you are coming from a very different place when we're watching these films because mm-hmm. I'm watching them from them taking place in a, another country, not yep. necessarily happening in my high school because all, pretty much all of those 90s slasher films took place in mm-hmm. America. So I was watching them with the, through the guise of, you know, like the horror tropes of like the high school and you know like yep. the the house party and the boys f- like the you know the love interests and everything so that mm-hmm. was that was alien to me because it wasn't part of my everyday <sighs> surroundings my everyday life so i was more removed from those films than than probably you were because they were happening in your pretty much in your backyard you know like uh,
1: yeah you know.
0: so that's i think i think when we come to it um, and that's what i think's going to be really interesting about this is our you know different perspective because for me it really is like a proper movie, do you know what I mean? I know I know mm-hmm. nothing of that environment. You know that's that, that environment is very different from from where I'm from, and uh, yep. you know, like my life that I've experienced. So it is very much more definitely more make believe than it is for you, I think.
3: Well, and I think that's also what I've come to love as I've expanded watching international horror films and trying to sort of understand different cultural themes that these films can explore. And it is so funny when I revisit a lot of my favorite horror, or my favorite slasher movies from the 90s, and I do think a lot about that, that like they really do subscribe to things like tokenism. They are very American in the way they conceptualize what they're doing. And I feel like, you know, I get most jazz when I see an international film that sort of does that, but it lets me in on a culture instead of just displays one for me.
0: Do you know what I mean? No, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, 100% agree with that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm curious because these are such sort of like uh, encapsulations of like American teens at a certain time. And I am really curious, you know, like what, what, how do, how does that feel to sort of watch that? You know, when maybe you're approaching your teen years or in your teen years, and it is so different and it is so outside. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, definitely. And, and you know, for a, for a very long time growing up, I thought that all uh, teenagers in America looked about thirty-five. So, you know, it definitely <laughs> has.
3: That's very true.
0: On, on how I view um, how I view sort of American high schools you know is that they're, they're all very well spoken and you know look like they should actually be in full-time employment by now but um yep. so would you say that scream started it all in the 90s do you think that, that was the pinnacle moment of um like the the 90s slasher genre
3: i i guess i i'm gonna have to say yes because i feel like while now that I know what I know about funny games and how similar they, the two are, you know, I think it was obviously sparked by a wave that was happening already, but because Mm. it was so impactful when it landed, it did sort of breed an entire genre here that they'd really left behind because they had boiled it down to sort of just the boobs and blood in the (laughs) eighties.
0: Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're looking at the sort of late eighties, early nineties, it was just packed full of, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, just mm-hmm. churning out those um, sequels and making those like box office returns. It was almost like hon- uh, horror had become just this very stale genre that was very predictable. So I mm-hmm. suppose Scream coming along, and like like with Funny Games for example, which I loved your chat about Funny Games. By the way, I thought it was brilliant. Mm. I mean, I was listening and I got near the end of the chat and I was like, oh, I haven't said anything. I just thought, well, I don't need to, actually, because you're pretty much um, saying everything I thought. So, um, oh. yeah, so with um, with um, the birth of the 90s horror slasher film, do you think that the people making Scream knew that it was going to be a, a way of starting a whole new... Genre for horror, or do you think that Wes Craven just put this film together thinking it would be a flash in the pan?
3: I feel like because he made New Nightmare just a couple of years before, and he had this <laughs> sort of idea of like, what is it when horror comes out into the real world and is more grounded? Like, I feel as though. That's kind of where he started. And then he really got to explore all the areas he could take it to and all the different worlds he could create. But I think, you know, he started in this very grounded place of like people are pretty horrific and people do really fucked up things to each other. And I think Mm. Kevin Williamson just perfectly put something right into his lap right where he was and so just got hit out of the park. Because Kevin Williamson's writing had always been that way, but never so specific to a place where somebody with so much knowledge could really nail it for him. Like imagine sure. if someone else directed it. Ugh.
0: Yeah. It could have been campy. It could have been like very cheesy, very much like, um, you know, a lot of the the films that like preceded it, you know, trying mm-hmm. to copy the genre, it could have easily have been one of those you
3: know, yep. from the and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I feel like it's yep. a good thing that the first one sets that tone of like, we actually have to try to make these quality films. We can't just cheat because people won't buy that anymore. That is used. And I feel like that's why the first couple slashers that come after it are really good. Like I really love I know what you did last summer, I love urban legend. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I am about all of the people who are like, Oh, this idea works, let's keep it just as smart, let's try to make it just as tight. And then, you know, as time goes on, we, we're running out of I guess like money or investments because yes. they, they tend to get worse as time goes on. But yes. the stride of the nineties, you know, ninety five to like probably two thousand and like two is just solid.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think, I actually think I saw, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer before I saw Scream. Okay. And I thought that that was, I remember being really taken back by the concept of, um, you know, living with a secret, doing something that you, and covering it up. And then that secret coming back to haunt you. I loved that idea. And it was very stylized and it was very, uh, different to anything that i'd seen previously um i must mm-hmm. admit um again like yourself i only ever was allowed to watch horror when it was only my dad at home so like when my because my mother was a police officer so she used to work different shifts so if my dad was like okay. at home and my mother was working the night shift we'd be at home watching the terminator total recall and then it started yes. to uh to, to blend into watching more horror movies. And the horror movie that my dad wanted us to watch more than anything was uh, an American werewolf in London. So that was pretty much oh, that was the first horror movie I saw. Was an American Werewolf I were- love that movie. Yeah.
3: That movie is an amazing like uh, feat. Like the things they do with the practical effects in that movie are stunning for the time that they were doing. Oh, absolutely. And for, you know, the amount of money that they could spend on it. I love that and i I wish that they i wish that we took more from like the beginners instead of always trying to reinvent in an unrealistic way because again that's what scream is so good at it it reinvented but it didn't change if that makes sense Yes.
0: yeah oh that's a really good way of putting it yeah definitely reinvented but didn't change like the core of what a horror well what that genre movie is but um Mm -hmm. yeah i remember my dad rewinding like the the werewolf transformation scene probably about three times while we were watching it we were like all right dad enough i want to know what happens
3: (laughs) (laughs) but that's exactly right it's kind of like i i think i've had have to have seen that movie like over 10 times at least in my life and i do love watching that scene and like getting calling people who are like not paying attention if they're on their phone to be like hey look at this you got to look at this yeah it is really unique and I feel like that's that's something else about the beginning of the, the 90s slasher movies. They were also, like, rediscovering violence in a more grounded way, too. And they were mm. trying to, like, put violence back into a place where it was horrific because it was gruesome, not just gory, I yes.
0: guess. Yeah. You know, it
3: wasn't quite torturous, but it was, like, psychologically torturous because I'm going to sort of field dress this body in front of her parents, but... It's not about me really torturing her. It's about me leaving them with that image, torturing their minds.
0: Well, leaving us with that image as well. I mean, it's probably one of the most iconic moments in the Scream franchise. And poor Drew Barrymore, you know.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, so good. To this day, I still cannot watch, you know, the part of that when she first gets tackled and he hits her right in the side of the neck to stop her from sort of being able to speak. Like to this day, I still cannot watch that moment. I do have to close my eyes and I've closed my eyes like 60 times because I know that movie backwards and forwards and I know right when to close my eyes because, oh, fuck, that was so intense to watch. Scarring.
0: Um, So the impact of that opening, obviously, of Scream was massive on an audience because um, am I right in believing that when Scream was being marketed, Drew Barrymore was being marketed as the big star?
3: That's right. Yeah, they were they had originally tried to make it with her, but she just wasn't available to shoot the entire film. So they negotiated that she would have this like huge opening number as a way to sort of say that she stars in this film, too. And it just ends up working perfectly because, you know, Nev Campbell was famous on TV at the time. She was like Mm -hmm. a television actress who people really liked and thought was cute. And so it was, like, perfect to see her go from this, like, very dramatic thing to bringing that same dramatic talent into this horror film, right? Like, she ultimately is what pulls it back to the ground. (laughs) I don't know if you know anything about the show she was on in the 90s, but it was relentlessly dramatic. Like, over the top, (laughs) trying to get you to cry every episode. And to see her sort of, like, kicking ass and fucking not being scared and trying to figure out how to fix this shit. I think that's also part of why it was, like, such a huge hit here.
0: Sure. And I think that, um, so just to clarify, Drew Barrymore was originally, like, going to play uh, Sidney Prescott.
3: That's right. Like, yep. That they was were the trying... idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They okay, were trying so... to get that done.
0: Just yeah, couldn't I think, work. No, just, like, obviously the schedule and stuff couldn't work it out. Um, What I do love about um, Leif Campbell's performance is you're right. You know, she's very grounded from the beginning, very naturalistic. That whole scene Mm -hmm. that opens with her in her bedroom and, you know, Billy comes through the window. It is one of those scenes where you're just thinking, she's not going to last very long. We've just seen Drew Barrymore get, like, you know, murdered Mm -hmm. like five minutes before. There's no way that this girl can last that long because she's too. I don't know. I mean, but then there is echoes of like the Jamie Lee Curtis character from Halloween in there, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's quite a few, you know, the final girl elements are are there from the beginning. But because of that unpredictable um, beginning,
3: mm-hmm. it definitely
0: sets you off the thought that no one is safe in this film.
3: Yes. Yeah, they, and I think you're right. That, like, Jamie Lee Curtis vibe that they're both able to capture is sort of like something that in horror movies they've forgotten, which is your main character is scared. They're actually fearful, and that is part of why they end up surviving. You know, when you're not scared, you don't survive. And Drew Barrymore isn't scared quick enough. She doesn't know what's going on fast enough, and it gets her. And that's essentially yeah. sort of what happens to all of the characters in most of them, is that when they're not taking it seriously, <laughs> they're never making it. they got to take yeah, it seriously, they're it. even going to have a chance, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so... Uh, Scream is very much about, you know, winking at the audience like Funny Games, you know, very mm-hmm. much the fourth wall in Funny Games is broken repeatedly, which I'm not going to lie to you, freak me out the first time I watched it. But Scream oh. is also there. It's also nodding and winking to the audience, but just obviously not as blatantly as it is in uh, Funny Games. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think do you think that that um, works for the film? Um, do you think that the, an American audience was ready for that at the time to be to be to be confronted with characters that actually know what's going on in this? It's a movie, but they you know, they're very aware that, that the tropes that are being playing out are being played out are from horror. So do you think that that is one of the <laughs> appeals of Scream that we are literally watching people in a horror movie tell us that they are in a horror movie? <laughs>
3: I mean, I I think so, because another really interesting thing I think about, like, the 90s as a decade, because I'm also a person who really loves history and, like, social cultural history, and in the 90s in America, we were having this other wave of mental health. So in the 90s, everybody was really interested in, like, actually starting to tell the truth about what's going on in our heads, and, like, actually being honest that, like, our families aren't perfect. We were, like, having this social moment happen so then for this film to come forward and sort of mirror that and say like, yeah, we're all going to stop ignoring what's in the room with us. And we're going to start to try to be more self-aware as a culture. The movie mm. did that for us. And then, of course, you know, as history went on, we made those movies and then we forgot about them. Yeah, <laughs> and we started going back to nonsense because we didn't want to think as much, but we were really in the mood to think in the 90s. Like there was some like really challenging Uh, dramatic films in the 90s that were trying to get people to think about you know like their drinking problems and their uh, gambling addictions you know like there were these heavy movies in the 90s that really wanted you to go inside people's heads and for kevin williamson to be like hey this is how i see the world everyone felt uh, i think relieved that that was a perspective they could have
1: sure Uh,
0: i mean I'm learning so much from you already because obviously the, so- the social context is slightly lost on yours truly because, um, you know, I'm not a- an American resident. But hearing that and hearing that those the social and, you know, the views that were going on at the time, it's obvious that those things are being reflected in Scream. Um, what mm-hmm. is, who is your favourite character in Screen? Oh,
3: well, I, my favorite character in Scream is Tatum. I'm so sad she doesn't (laughs) find her way out (laughs) because I really do like that, that other sort of like humanistic portrayal of like what we interpret that girl to be, you know, like she's a little bit slutty because she dresses like it, but they never really overtly make her into that. And they play on the trope of like that she is in this part. And so we're going to expect this from her. And there's just something really sort of delicate about, you know, a person as an actor we know is like really intense (laughs) that I appreciate uh, in Scream. So I just love her character and and what she does with it. Um, I wish that she, you know, was could stay around a little bit longer. But of course, you know, we all love Sydney. who Sydney is hard to not love.
0: Exactly. And I'm sorry, but, you know, she was pretty, Tatum was pretty much doomed when she said, don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Um,
3: <laughs> that's so not going to happen.
0: <laughs> never so ask good. to be in the sequel. You're never going to make it. Um, well, and they also
3: gave, let me just say one more thing about that character sure, sure. too, because they also gave that character an opportunity to, to, truly be a friend of the lead character and in yeah. so many of these movies, not particularly in this point in time, because they're really working to stay good at this. But, you know, to, like, actually say, like, I do know what went on with your family. And, like, I do have thoughts about it. Like, I'm your friend and I think about these things. That's something that horror movies were, like, never doing in the 80s. They were just being like, you got to have fun and cut loose and forget about your problem. You know, I'm yeah. your best friend and I don't even really know you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> That's so you know crazy. what I mean? Yeah, if you watch all those later sort of Friday the 13th, they're all like, oh, come on, guys, get over it. Yeah, sure. Jason's (laughs) out there. But come on, it's a party. And you're like, exactly. What are you doing? You do not care. You will literally give up all these people for you so you can get away. Be honest with yourselves. But um, yeah, you're right there is a really strong bond between them two and it really comes through in those performances i mean i love 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 dewey i i just think Mm. he's so sweet especially in the first like two films i think he's just a lovely character but i do and this is weird i do have an affinity for stew in this first Mm -hmm. screen because Mm -hmm. i think the performance is you know go hard or go home and he just went hard so i totally um, agree do you agree? What, what do you think about the performances of, um, of those two characters playing such difficult roles of, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, um, I can imagine filming those sequences was pretty grueling, especially in the, like, the third act, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole stuff in the kitchen and the, uh, you know, the sort of uh, explanation of, of why they're doing it and what they're doing um do yep. you enjoy those scenes and and what do, what do you pick out what are your best picks from those sort of um, scenarios
3: oh i i do i absolutely do and i agree like Stu is my second favorite character because <laughs> you know i'm, I'm spoiled and getting to have as much sydney and Dewey as i want so you know i really do miss that the tone was set in such a strong way in that first film with these two characters and Stu especially like also truly capturing what everybody was afraid of teenagers for in the 90s in America. This idea that you could have a family that was wealthy and your kid had no worries and they had no reason to be angry and they were just going to be psychotic. Like that was happening in the 90s and people were really afraid of it. So to see this wonderfully charismatic person bring that to life in a really honest way, people went crazy for it. Like I yep. think he is one of the most popular characters, uh, even over Billy, who's like more so <laughs> driving the boat here. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. I mean, yeah, he is the definitely the the driving force of the motive um, mm-hmm. of why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, that whole sequence is just brilliant because it almost plays out like a hor- it plays out like a horror film, but also plays out like a farce. You know, you've got mm-hmm. so much going on. You've got the dad falling out of the, of the cupboard. You've got yep. Sydney then d- disappearing. You've got Gail appearing. Do you know what I mean? You've got this really fast, tight sequence, which I think really works. Um, I agree. Motive is pretty much everything, isn't it, I think, in in this style of movie. If the motive isn't there, it, does, mm-hmm. it can sometimes fall a bit flat. So do, mm-hmm. do you agree with that? Do you think that the, uh, the motivation behind um, the killer's, you know, deeds is a very important part of these films?
3: Yes. And I think that's also, again, why I love the dynamic of Billy and Stu and sort of why they're doing what they're doing. Because just like Sydney and Tatum get to have a more authentic relationship, you sort of get to see the way teenage boys show up for each other. <clears throat> which is like if we have this idea we're going to do it together and we're not going to ask too many questions if we don't need to cuz no one tells us to be friendly the way they tell girls to and i think Stu represents what we all thought those boys were doing when they went crazy in the 90s and Billy represents the truth there's a reason that people snap it's people don't just walk around snapping like there are reasons that people do what they do and mm. their reaction you know is is basically leveled to their the action they take after you know, like his whole entire life was destroyed by what happened to him, and he fabricated a new identity and then took his revenge. And yeah, I think that that's just such a realistic way of of de- deciding you're going to kill people, as opposed to just being like pissed at them or feeling slighted by them. The way that other horror movies kind of use that trope.
0: Sure. What do you think of the portrayal <laughs> at the end? Because. You know, there is that moment, and I do really like it, where um, Stu gives Billy the knife and... Mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 it's the other way around, is it? Stu has the knife first and says, um, you know, stick to the sides, not too deep, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. is stabbed by Stu. And then, obviously, the tables are turned, and there's that moment of fear from Stu that he's like, ah, I don't... What's happening? I don't trust this situation now. I don't trust Billy to... To do what mm-hmm. what was planned? What what do you think of that portrayal? How does that fit into the social sort of um, dialogue that Scream is trying to put across?
3: Well, and that's exactly right, too, is that that betrayal needs to be there so that you can understand the the simple human motivations of all of this, right? Like, Stu liked the idea of not having a motive and following his friend because he was his best friend. And he, in a way, he, I think that they loved each other, you know, not in like a romantic way, but like they had each other in a way that they didn't have anybody else in their lives. And for Mm -hmm. Stu to discover that there was this great secret he kept from him. I think that's why he hit him a little bit harder, because he felt hurt that he was left out, you know, feeling like they share so so much together and to be left out. And then I think, you know, once he realizes that he was left out because Billy wasn't doing this with him, Billy was doing this and using him. And he knows this is, you know, this is finally confirmed after already sort of being confirmed with that mode of reveal. It's finally confirmed when they're when like violence is taking place.
4: Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that sequence is amazing. It's that look between them when, when Stu just completely loses his trust in Billy. And you're yep. just thinking, right, okay, so this is a whole new level of, um, like, character interplay that we're dealing with here. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to move on yeah, to screen the, two because I I I want to stick with the, the screams just to begin with, and then we can move on to the others. But um, for sure, got, can I say one got, more thing about that? Of course last you sequence. can. Of course you can. Yeah, because when lo- you're I'm talking about this. that,
3: yeah, that amazing performance that gives us the sign of the betrayal, like when Billy reveals what the motive is, they do cut to Stew, and the look on his face is so heartbreaking. Like it, it yeah. becomes he, he sees how hurt his friend was and feels, you know, so hurt for him. And I think that's also such a touching thing that most horror movies kind of miss because you don't necessarily need it if you're just here for the violence, you know?
0: Sure. And I think that an audience do, I mean, obviously I'm one of those people that have seen this film more than probably healthy, but, um, you know, it's... It's one of those things that, as an audience, when you're watching the film once, twice, three times, you're bringing these new dimensions to it. So it's not something that you can just watch. It's not disposable, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, media. It's something that you can go back and watch and find those layers, which is also really important. Um, I've got a question for you, though. Yeah. Do you think do you think that Stu died at the end?
3: I mean, I want to believe he didn't but I also think that there's not really anything indicative in the writing that he did, uh, that, okay. he, that he lived. I mean, I, I feel because... like if he, if he did, then we might be falling backwards into this other trope of, like, uh, saving it for, for the big finale instead of just serving the story.
0: Absolutely. Um, because there is whisperings that uh, Stu could be coming back for Scream 5?
3: I mean, I'm down for whatever they want to do because I want to support their <laughs> exploration. But, you know, as, a, as like a purist, if you will, who has spent so many years already loving what they've done and, and canonizing it for myself, it'll be hard to sort of try and rearrange all of those things unless they can do it really soundly.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, I'd love I'd love to see the opening sequence of Scream 5, you know, a a prison cell. There's Stu, you know, getting on with his daily routine. He's been in prison now for, what, 25 years or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to get back and check in and see what's going on. But how would they how they would like weave that into Sydney's story and obviously going back to Woodsboro? um, I'd be quite interested. But um, Mm Scream 2. Okay, so Scream so 2 good. came out yeah, in 97. So it was two, two years later, I think. There's a two-year gap in between them.
3: Yep, yep. Uh,
0: let, I just want to talk to you about the opening sequence of Scream 2 because I think it is probably one of the best opening sequences of any movie.
3: So good. Makes me afraid to go into the bathroom at the movie theatre every time. Every time. <laughs> every time.
0: Can I just tell you one thing before we get into the nitty-gritty and the seriousness of it? I just want to tell you about the fact that when I first watched that film, and she ordered a small or an, a medium, or um, I think it was a medium popcorn and a small Coke. And she walks away with literally a bucket of Coke. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on with the size ratios in America?
3: They're terrible. They're absolutely <laughs> terrible. That is like so accurate to how mis- misappropriative our sizes are. They're so unhealthy. <laughs> I'm she just pointing it out coke for you. And
0: she can hardly carry it.
3: hey they got a nod to the culture any chance they get and it is hilarious that they sort of do do that and they show her ordering you know because like there's always something inherently about trying to like curate what the experience should be and it's funny how the film knows that and they use that to their advantage
0: absolutely so let's talk about the fact that the opening of scream 2 is uh, a couple going to watch a film called Stab which is so an, an adaptation of the events of Scream 1, but because Gail Weathers wrote a book called The Whizboro Murders, and then mm-hmm. that's been made into a film. Tell me about like how, how you think that idea came about and how does that play into what we've been talking about so far?
3: I mean, I think, t- to me, that was really exciting because in the 90s, we were also making a lot of movies about making movies, so it was like a big wave of Hollywood movies that were about being in Hollywood and like how crazy it is. They were really trying to sort of uh, like make it cool. And so I feel like this is another way that they're sort of saying like, yeah, we're getting in on that too. But I just also found it to be so creatively done after they yeah. set such a tone. Like it is the natural appropriate next step and they perfectly executed it and did it with humor, you know, like found a way To sort of let that also be the fun of this film is that we're going to scare you, but we're not going to cheat. We're going to scare you when it's scary and we're going to keep it real when it's real.
0: Sure. And I think that one of the most um, the the things that I that I was very affronted by, actually, was, of course, having seen uh, Drew Barrymore. Uh, meet such a unpleasant end in the first film that they then mm-hmm. have Heather Graham playing that character on the big screen and people jeering and cheering and, and wanting her dead.
3: I, I love that because to me, that's also like a grand tradition of what people, like American people do in movies all the time, which is try to comment on the industry and how the audience ruins things. So I feel like that's a perfect encapsulation of you wrote something really wonderful. And then when it finally gets to the screen, it's like whoever the prettiest blonde was at the time and that's who's doing it. And so I feel like that's another <laughs> nod to sort of like the really stupid American kind of Hollywood machine that is just about always putting a blonde up front and like she's just, she's just the blonde that's on their, their docket this month when they make that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, I want to I think that in the stab like real world's, uh, of Scream that Heather Graham was meant to play Sydney but couldn't do it due to work commitments.
1: So, therefore, I
3: mean, I wish that they had done that. I wish that because, like, what you'll notice in American TV is that they're going to go full tilt on this kind of thing and start really commenting on everything in their content. So, I kind of wish that in Scream 2 they did say, like, you know, in the reviews, did you know that Heather Graham was, like, supposed to play the main role? Like, in in the first screen, they talk about who who would be cast as them, so they set it up in this way, and why wouldn't they keep kind of going through it? I kind of wish that that was there.
0: Yeah, because is asked in the first film, who do you think would play you if this was a movie? And she said, Tory Spelling? Is that correct?
3: Yes, and that's exactly who they grabbed.
0: Yeah, do you, I mean, like, like hats off to Tori Spelling for doing it because it was actually a bit of a you know, not a very pleasant comment to say about her in the first film. Well what's but kind of
1: still... funny
3: what's kind of funny about it is if if they had made Scream the way they made all the Jason movies in the eighties, Tori Spelling would have been City Prescott because she was yeah. on in the 90s. She was like the hot girl on TV doing this like show and very popular. And so she easily could have been lifted to be in like a popcorn scary movie. But it's interesting to show again, that comment on how something starts out pretty authentic and then the business gets involved and you end <laughs> up with whatever you end up with on the screen.
0: Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've got Sydney. She goes to, she's at college and she's taking a major in drama. I mean, I did. okay, okay. I, yeah, mean,
3: we'll go I I love that <laughs> idea because I'm not sure what the, like, again, what's so interesting about this is it's so clearly American because in sort of like America, there is this like fantastical uh, idea of what it is to be an artist and an actor and like a lot of actors have like really dark, difficult lives that they rised out of to like portray these amazing performances. And so there's this like idea, this fantasy that like if you had a rough past, you're gonna be a really talented performer. And I yeah. feel like it's Scream too, they're just nailing that right on the head being like, of course, Amy's gonna go become an actress. Look at her past.
0: Sure, 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 sure. I uh, just had to drop so in a little funny. bit of a uh, little bit of trivia here. My grandparents used to live next door to um, to the guy who plays her drama teacher in Scream Two, David Warner, I believe his name was. So my Amazing. grandparents used to live in London. Used to live next door to David Warner, who played Sydney's uh, yeah drama teacher in that movie.
1: Yes.
0: So yes, he was so also that's in a bit trivia. I never met him. Yes, Titanic. Yeah, he was also. Uh, he's quite big in, I think the Doctor Who world now is quite big I think he might, yeah. be, might be involved in that but yeah, so there's a little bit of trivia for you But um, Love it Obviously, obviously uh, like, a sequel is very difficult because you've got such a uh, reputation to live up to with the first film Do you think that Scream 2 managed to live up to uh, the reputation of the first movie or do you think it falls flat in, and, and if you do, in which ways do you think it does?
3: I mean, I do think that it lives up. I really do think that it took everything that it started with and it tried to elevate, and I think it tried to stay true to what its plan was, which was to always stay commenting on and paying homage to horror in some way. And so even though I know that there was a rewrite that sort of had a different, that it was going to be Hallie and Mickey as the killers, I think that would have fallen flat. I really think that if that's what ended up happening, it would have fallen flat, and by saying... No, like, twist, but not really a twist, because you actually have seen this before, so you're not uncomfortable with it. You'll buy it right away, and then we'll make it more realistic and tie it to our people. So I love that Billy's mother fucking shows up to clean house, you know? Like, she and Billy feel the exact same way about what happened, and now she's doubling down because Billy tried to do something about it, and this bitch continued to ruin her life and her family.
0: I mean... I would have also struggled with uh, Hallie being a killer because, I mean, what could her motive have been?
3: Seriously, how could it be anything that that fits in the the universe they've created? You know, like Tatum was a good friend. So Sydney knows how to have good friends. Hallie is a great person. She knows Sydney's had a hard time. She wants Sydney to have a good life. And to say that at some point she was going to turn around and be like, fuck you is crazy.
0: By the way, I'm the
3: killer. I can only imagine
0: that they would have grouped her and... Oh, sorry, I've forgotten the character's name. Who was the other killer? Mickey. Mickey. I'm sure they probably would have grouped maybe their motive together in the same way. You know, like the whole thing of blaming the movies, having a court case having Scorsese mm-hmm. on the stand.
3: <laughs> I mean, and that's also part of again like what what was happening in America is that people were beginning to blame scary movies for violence that they had done. And so of course Scream says, I'll go ahead and respond to that cuz it's not about it's not about that. It's about the theater of the trial. And so why don't you focus on your own shit and leave us alone? Like really yes. great sort of social commentary that how could you really get that if you weren't also allowed to be on the ground with Billy's mother. Like, I know it came out of nowhere, but she's still a real person who existed in that story, who has a reason to be there that is more convincing than Mickey's. But that's why Mickey is like Stu. Because Stu was more the social one and Billy was the reality.
0: I mean, as someone from the UK, Mickey's um, motive wasn't really that sort of, far out because i don't know if you're um, just a little side note here i don't know if you're aware that in the 1980s we had a video nasty law here in the uk where films were okay. banned like the government were banning movies because they didn't want because it's when the um, the home video and vhs craze kicked off there were certain films okay. they didn't want kids to have access to So, they had a video nasties list, and my mum, who was a police officer at the time, was actually on a task force to go and hunt down these VHS copies of films and confiscate them or ultimately burn them. So, um, just some of those, just um, to tell you how ridiculous this list was, I'll just give you a couple of of examples of what were on the list Driller Killer, The Evil (laughs) Dead, The Exorcist. The exorcist was not made legal to to own a copy of in the UK until
3: 1999. What? Yes. Wow. I had
0: no idea. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was also not you could not legally own a copy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the UK until I think uh, 1998.
3: Wow! Yeah, I so had the, no idea.
0: Sure, because there was loads of things. Kids, uh, like you know, obviously there were violent acts being committed by the youth, and what did they do? They mm. they turned to uh, horror movies to blame these uh, for these, you know, acts of uh, violence, and yep. you know they banned these movies. They were there was an extensive list, and now um, the British, uh, you know, the classification that we have here were responsible mm-hmm. for, you know, classifying films, and if they thought the film was too violent to be uh, owned in a the household, then it would go onto the um, the video nasty the list. list. So uh, when it wow. comes, to, yeah, when it comes to kids, um, you know, watching material and being affected by it, that's basically what they were saying was happening to our kids in the eighties, and hence the ban. Wow. I mean, yeah. that,
3: that is so interesting because there were several you know legal cases where people were arguing that you can't censor that stuff because they, they were wanting to pull things and um, not necessarily make anything illegal, but they were trying to sort of limit distribution and change the rating system to make it harder for kids to see it. And people were really arguing against it because it's such a flawed argument, but dang, I sure. can't believe... That it would be illegal. Yeah. Like that would break my heart to have to get rid of my copies of things. Oh man! Absolutely.
0: I used to hear people. We used to have. Um, I, I I don't know what you would call. Uh, you guys would call them, but they were like, um, like yard sales, but they were like in a specific area. So everyone would have like like a stall laid out, and people would just sell stuff. You know that they they wouldn't need anymore. Do you know what I mean? So it was like mm-hmm. a garage sale, but in a big area. We call them car boot sales. Um, but yeah, I love it. Um, so I always remember when I was younger, I used to get my three pounds pocket money, which is about five dollars, and I would go mm-hmm. down to the local uh, car boot sale and try and pick up, you know, whatever I could, yeah. like movies and stuff, and you know. But I'd have to hide those because obviously I wasn't allowed to watch them. But I used to watch them when I was babysitting but i would hear whispers mm-hmm. you know whispers from dealers going hello mate i've got um i've got a copy of the exorcist if you want it you know it was almost like a drug oh. deal
3: but they were yeah. literally
0: selling copies of the exorcist <laughs>
3: wow i mean that that is intense because you know it does speak to the different ways that like we exercise our free speech or whatever and i think Americans love to, to lay on that and therefore never really do anything too extreme. And I think sometimes that's to our detriment over here with our gun situation. But sure. I think, you know, it is interesting to, to really acknowledge that if a film is done really well, it can have an effect on you. To the extent that you're going to go out and do something crazy, I don't yeah. know about that. But it, it, it is nuts that, you know, something that was just, just meant to be a movie for you to watch could scare people in such a way.
0: Yes. I mean, it was a huge, like, government movement. It was it was government that really <sighs> wanted to go that way of, you know, censoring, um, like, material, censoring film. Wow. Because, yeah, and it wasn't just that, you know, it was almost like they didn't feel that the parents were responsible enough to own these movies. Seriously. Do you know what, Jim Bob? I don't want you watching that. You stick to the gummy bears. Do you know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously.
0: It was really strange. And I'll just... tell you what. On Instagram, um, when we when later uh, maybe tomorrow, I'll send you um a list of the films that they banned on the video nasty list because I feel, I'd like you to look through them and to actually see like what there is. I think you'll be surprised. But um, yeah. So. <sighs> Like, going back to why, why I mentioned that was, like, Mickey's Motive. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the movies mm-hmm. that did it to me. That was very much the mindset of, of 80s, of Britain, when it came to horror movies. The movies right. made me do it, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, that's,
3: that's so interesting because, it, in a way, I feel like sometimes, you know, America lifts off of someone else. Like, if America's not in the mood for something and anybody else has done it, they'll lift right off of it. And so it's kind of interesting that, you know, in the 80s, we were very bogged down thinking that, like, the occult was, like, really happening over here and that, like, card games were making kids murder people. (laughs) So in the 80s, we were, like, really far away from thinking about pop culture as the cause of anything other than consumerism. So we were having a really hard time with consumerism in the 80s. So it's just so funny that, you know, you guys could broach that kind of social issue before us in such a way and we would learn like nothing from it ultimately
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely well it, it was lifted like i said in the late 90s they reviewed the act the video nasties act as they called it and they released um all the films in their uncut versions uh wow. but, they, but they all had to have no matter what the the content or what the um the classification in other countries they all had to carry the classification of 18 plus so i think that would be your rated r uh,
2: mm-hmm. equivalent
0: yeah so wow. that happened. um uh should we pause for a moment shannon and just listen to these voice messages and then we can get back straight onto the conversation absolutely Okay, lovely. I'm going to hit some Denny's. I want to say
4: it was super late 90s, early 2000s. It was before all of the um, scary movies. It was called Shriek, if you know what I did last
5: Friday the 13th. If you haven't seen it, you got to fucking see it.
3: Yep, I've caught that one before, and it's pretty good. It is right around the time. I think it is before Scary Movie, but then Scary Movie ends up grabbing more views. Um, but it is pretty good. Tiffany Amber Thiessen of uh, Saved by the Bell is there. So it's pretty funny.
0: Oh, excellent. So what scary movie just came in and went, no, we're going to do it a lot better. We've got a bigger casts. We've got a tighter script, etc.
3: Yep. And totally popped off.
0: Yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not. I'm not. I just I just feel that I love the source material so much that I don't like people picking on it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I, 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 I feel mean? that, too.
0: I definitely agree. Yeah. Those those spoof movies only go so far. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Right, I'm gonna hit another one. Dear Shani and my guy Keith, yo oh, yo, thank God. you for tuning into my talk earlier with Mark. That was cool. I don't, I didn't know him before today, so it was blessed to like chat with him. I I was talking to him for like an hour. Maybe more. Anyway, it was cool. I hope you yeah. do have a lovely chat. Shiny B work One. Oh, <laughs> thank
0: you. <laughs> yes, Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll speak to, we'll
1: speak very soon, mate. Would their music have been as beautiful if they were sober, basically? So that is the sad thing about it, but yeah. Oh bless. Um
0: I may have missed We are a little bit behind, so uh, I might have missed what that was about, but um, let me know. Let us know, Wax, what that was about.
2: 90s slasher movies, and you have to be talking about Hellraiser 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, right? Of course.
1: (laughs)
0: There is a hell of a lot of Hellraiser films now.
3: (laughs) This is very true. And yeah, I, I was not sure where to include it because it's it it's there, but I feel like it it's its own thing because of how many genres it combines and how it definitely mm. like sets us up to be ready for Hostel and Salt later. Like It's a real good setup to get us close to that kind of idea. Sure. And I, I kind of think like Scream and those slasher movies popping up right after it helped Eli Roth figure out how he was going to do what he was going to do and definitely influenced Lee Wannell.
0: In saw yeah no yeah i totally agree i do love the first hellraiser and i, I love the second one actually uh the third one blah blah blah, blah that happened um the rest of them I... i'm going to be honest with you i've never i've never seen past the third one um <laughs> well, uh...
3: maybe we'll have to watch one of those just so we can deep dive on it we'll have to find oh like God, what is yeah. the worst of them and watch yes, it yes
0: we can we can do that for our uh worst slash best horror sequels
3: yep Yep, that will be... We'll have to make a note of that for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right. That
1: definitely. is completely ridiculous. The UK or government are silly sometimes. Only sometimes. Like, yeah, only sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think that's to do with video nasties, yeah. Silly government. Yeah, that is.
1: I <laughs> you know, They were I agree. doing what
0: they thought was best at the time, you know, but obviously... It was a bit of a silly thing. Censorship is never good, you know. Nope. People should be able to make their own minds up and protect their kids. If they they want to show their kids horror movies, then I think we just call the uh, social services. <laughs> Not okay. going to get
1: into politics and stuff, but um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no, that was okay. <laughs> we we were just touching on politics. We weren't getting too deep into it.
5: Final destination. Ooh. Definitely, that freaked the shit out of me. Is that roller coaster scene? And I hate roller coasters because of it. Oh
1: yeah. But anyway, yeah, big up 31. Keith, Andrew,
5: 2020. And is it Shani? Shani? B. Shani?
0: Shani B. B. Nice to meet you. Shani Sorry, B. I'm
5: dyslexic. So if I bastardize your name, I do apologize. Big up to you guys anyway.
3: Hi, Rishi. Rishi's yes, I love Final Destination because I feel like it takes all of the stuff that Scream did, trying to ground it, trying to make more realistic kids, and then it brings in that awesome supernatural element. So Final Destination sure. is like one of my favorite fusions of like being in this same wave, but not needing just a regular human killer, like using killing as the thing you're afraid of and dying, being the main cause. Like, oh, I love Final Destination. And I kind of, I have, I love them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're all great for different reasons. Uh, I think the first one came out, what, about ninety eight, ninety nine? Was it around that time? I-
3: Yep, I think that's right. It definitely comes yes, in this wave um, yes. of, like, the teen kind of slasher vibe. Um, but, yeah, it brings in that supernatural element, which I guess, like, is why I don't necessarily consider it a slasher.
0: No. Um, it, yeah, because it is obviously uh, the death uh, element, isn't it? The death is coming back round to, to knock you off, basically. But, yeah, I do <laughs> love the Final Nation films. I, do you know what? I actually really liked... Um, the last one, um, I thought it had a quite a neat little uh, twist ending. I won't give it away for yes. you if you haven't seen it, yet, but that little twist at the end of the last one was nice. I liked it. Was that very enough. tight.
3: Yep, I liked yeah. it too.
0: Excellent. Right, let's hit another one.
6: Hey Keith. Hey Shani. Um, I don't know if this has already come up, but. One movie that I really enjoyed um that I don't think I appreciated or knew about was The Rage Carrie 2.
1: It's yeah.
6: um i it, I guess it's like a sequel slash yeah. adaptation of um the first Carrie. And mm-hmm. um it was really ahead of its time um after watching it. Um, I understood. I understand that it didn't do very well, like in the theaters. <laughs> um, and uh, play my next message, uh, so I can expand. Uh, sorry, I'm a little long winded.
0: No, that's okay. I
3: mean, that's no worries. I definitely. No, like. Yeah, no, I was gonna we say like. it, it, we love the Rage Carry too because even though it didn't do so well, that didn't stop me from seeing it in the theaters. I was there. <laughs>
0: I remember watching it with a, as a double bill of the original Carrie and then Carrie 2 and being like... Oh, that's rough. Pardon? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit rough to watch them back to back. But I agree, yes. you know, like, it was trying to figure out, okay, if I'm going to sort of remake this movie, but I'm going to remake it 90s, I think it did yeah. nail that. Because, like, the gal who played Carrie was pretty good and the that sort of, like encapsulation of like the nonsense of american teens in the 90s is perfect in that movie
0: sure 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 um, do you think that maybe uh if it had been an entity on its own that it probably might have done a little bit better but because it was linked to such a phenomenal film as um
1: mm-hmm.
0: Palmas, uh carry that that it suffered because of that
3: I, I actually do. I think that there might have been a way to not have it be a sequel, like a two, you know, like having maybe just the rage carry would have been much better. Cause I think you then could have just been like, we're expanding upon sort of like other carries that exist, if you will, instead yeah. of this is the same universe, you know?
0: I can't wait for our sequel chat because there's so many little niche, weird sequels out there that you're just thinking, uh, there's a sequel to American Psycho pardon what's happening <laughs> Oh it's amazing
3: it's a, it's yeah. an amazing sequel you're gonna we're gonna have a great time talking about that one.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna make a list or you can I tell you what you can make a list and I'll make a list then we' we can see yes. what we're gonna watch and then we'll uh, we'll get on that. I'm a little bit scared for my sanity but I'm gonna love it I think
3: <laughs> come, come with me on this journey it's worth it.
0: Yes, definitely here we go
6: yeah and it was really um it was it's really interesting watching it in 2020 because of the environment um and if if no one's seen it before basically what happens is the girl carrie has a friend um and the friend uh hooks up with like a a guy from the football team and he she falls for him and he rejects her and like the 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 stereotypical like high school jocks sort of um make fun of her or something so she ends up um committing suicide right in the like early in the film and carrie sort of the rest of the film is about her getting revenge um and i have one more message to keep going <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it, you're gonna, we're going to enjoy it uh, when we revisit it, I think, for sure. Because it, it, it was ahead of its time in terms of being interpreted. Uh, I think people were looking for something else because they had... Like, Carrie is still really fresh, the original in America, for sure. So I think people are snooty about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You'll have to remind me of the Carrie link because I can't remember... Like, I'm having a look at the synopsis now just to, to like, jog my memory and uh so there isn't actually is that like the Carrie character from the first one um there's not actually no it's rachel lang is the character name so so what is the actual connection to Carrie then because i can't the stupid title
3: just the title and the fact that a similar (laughs) sort of telepathic (laughs) thing is happening to her you know and that i think i think they may at some point unless i'm totally making this up they may at some point sort of link that like people know that this has happened before because of a carry so maybe that's what they do, but it definitely suffered trying to say it was connected and then not really being connected, being about Rachel getting, you know, having a similar situation in, in her awakening.
0: Oh my! Oh well, they find they they find that loose connection, which you know I suppose was pretty much to um to to sell the film. But oh, right, we can class yeah. these draws. That's definitely one that I'm going to rewatch for our um for our worst horror sequel uh, chat for sure. Right, let's get through yeah. some of these messages. Yeah, the Hellraiser
5: movie. 1 and 2, I'll give it to you. The rest, oh my God, were fucking <laughs> yeah. awful. They even got rid of Pinhead. How can you get rid of the main character, Pinhead? That was a stupid freaking move.
0: Yeah, there was yeah, a think, there was a couple, was there? Yeah, you can't get rid of Pinhead. I think the guy who played the original Pinhead um, was mm-hmm. replaced with another actor, and he got really arsy about it. And I think that he's oh. trying to... St- the remake at the moment, he's got a campaign going on uh, on Facebook or, or some social media site uh, to Whoa. to block the remake of Hellraiser. Yeah, he's very passionate oh about gosh. it, which I'm not surprised. I mean, it's paid it's paid his mortgage and his bills for the last thirty years.
3: <laughs> very true, makes sense. You know what? I mean?
0: so. Lovely. Guys, we're going to get through this message. We've got 25 minutes left of uh, 90s slasher movies, which I'm just absolutely, I, I'm literally wallowing in the, the amazingness here of, um, of your knowledge, uh, Shani B, and I love it so much. And I can't wait to do more chats with you in the future. Absolutely. You're just, uh, this, is, this is what I'm on stereo for, this, this discussion. So thank you so much for, uh, for talking with me today. Really appreciate Dino. it.
3: Yeah, I, I have loved every second, and I wish I could do it forever. And so we're gonna have to keep scheduling time to do it forever.
0: Absolutely, until one of us drops dead or gets uh, mm. attacked by Ghostface, we will keep going on these uh, on these podcasts. So uh, yeah, let's get some ditties.
6: Um, and so it, what's really interesting is like in that movie, the villain really is like toxic masculinity, and mm-hmm. um. That's and it's right. sort of about carrie um taking it down or her, her i think her name is might be something different in the movie, but she basically yeah, but just um sort of takes on this group of like obnoxious football player guys um and it and it's it really has like, so a, it. like a like a s a really strong feminist tone um mm-hmm the graphics and stuff you know it was the late 90s so it wasn't (laughs) um you know it wasn't perfect but i think watching it now it was actually really enjoyable so um this is my last message on it um i suggest it
0: oh thank you so much really appreciate it
3: it is like carrie in the sense of that it's also about sort of like a young woman's sexual awakening being really uh Denigrated in some way, and you know what happens to her as a result of that. So I agree. You know, thank you for bringing that back up, and I can't wait to talk more about it when when we do a little rewatch of our own.
0: Who knew? Who knew we would find a fan of the Rage Carry Two during this conversation? I never thought that that would be ever a a thing, but we found one. You're like a you're like a blood diamond. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part. you're a rarity my friend a rarity but thank you so much for uh, for telling us and jogging our memories
6: and the movie a lo- one really good thing if you if you just want to watch 5 minutes of it is their 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 interpretation or homage to the prom scene mm-hmm. is like it's so amazing and so awful and so like 90s (laughs) world wide web um yeah i I would revisit that part um (laughs) if you don't watch it uh if you don't watch the whole movie but it's just so (laughs) hilarious to see like how they did the the 90s version of that um iconic uh prom scene
0: oh no I d- I'm dreading. I'm dreading that because I love that oh. sequence in the original.
3: Yes, oh. definitely make sure we have the right glasses remember. on when we're watching that yes. because it's true. Like he, he does nail that like it is doing what it needs to do for the 90s audience, but that isn't exactly uh, an audience that's astute.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for talking to us about Carry to the Rage, the best movie ever. Said no one. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
6: Do you guys remember the movie Ice Cream Man with yes. Clint Howard? Have you seen the movie Ice Cream Man with Clint Howard? I believe that fits the topic of uh, 90s slashers yeah. movies. I think it was like kind of a ripoff of Candyman, but like Ice Cream Man. I don't know. He had an ice <laughs> cream truck and he killed people. Yeah. I just remember on the back cover there was a guy's head on an ice cream cone.
1: <laughs>
6: it looked good. I never saw it myself, but it's one of those terrible B movies, slasher yes. movies, horror, gross out, weird movies. You remember?
0: I'm looking at the VHS I... cover right now, and it. it yep. I mean, I mean. <laughs>
3: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's like got that deranged element that like isn't necessarily scary but is creepy. And it also was matching the 90s. Like in the 90s, we were turning on our ice cream men hard and thinking they were all pedophiles because we were really in a pedophile fear circle at that time. Oh, wow. And so I think it perfectly comes out like at the height of it, early, late 80s, early 90s, like everybody is a, everyone thinks everyone's a pedophile. And so it yeah. makes perfect sense to just capitalize right on that and be like, sure, the ice cream man is murdering people.
0: <laughs> it's got one review on, um, on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's oh got the greatest, the greatest movie of all time, and then it's got one out of four. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so That's good. an oxymoron, right there, or literally just a moron. I'm not quite sure, but um, let's move on swiftly with the next message. Thank you so much for that suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure it's going to be on my watch list anytime soon, but I will watch the trailer. I'll compromise. Yes, with you. <laughs> it's
5: worth it. Do you remember Faculty? Faculty oh, was a good film. I actually really enjoyed
0: so that. Good. Shani B, do you want to yep. use this opportunity to advertise a show you've got coming up?
3: Yes, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about The Faculty in Depth because it is one of my favourite 90s movies of this time. But because it you know, has that sci-fi element, I, I sadly exclude it from this list. But I think yeah. it is one of my favourites. Like. I love the coming together of what Kevin Williamson does with his writing and then what Robert Rodriguez does with his filmmaking, because he really Mm -hmm. does. I just love him as a filmmaker, like any of the films he does, not even in the horror genre, because there's something really like 3d about it, even though it's in 2d, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And there's a little link there as well to uh, Carrie, who we were talking to. The mother from Carrie is one of the teachers. Is that correct?
3: Am I right? That is correct. She, uh, Piper Ooh. Laurie, she opens the film. Um, her and yes. Evie Newworth fucking killing it. And then, yeah. of course, you know Terminator, uh, the the Terminator from the sequel. That awesome cop. Yes. Fuck, I can't think of his name right now, but he's uh, there Patrick, too. And
0: Patrick, isn't it? Patrick, um, something Patrick. I can't remember. God damn yeah. it. Uh, Jake, not Jason Patrick. That's a completely different person. <laughs>
1: um, close. Oh. I can't...
0: I can't, yeah, Patrick something, isn't it? I do remember Patrick being in there somewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember loving that film. My brother was a massive uh, fan of that movie. Uh, We watched it pretty much on repeat. Uh, Loved the sequence um, at the end when the big monster comes out, because I'm a huge fan of monster movies. So when you see that thing for the first time and it's chasing him behind the steps and all the steps are are coming in. Ah. Uh, It's one of my favourite sequences, of course, with the, uh, yeah, Excellent, excellent film, and obviously Josh Hartnett is, is just like smoking hot in that oh, film too.
3: My favorite of all time. <laughs>
0: yeah, and we will find out the name of that guy at some point. Don't worry, but we're gonna hit another diddy.
4: <laughs> Man, I guess you guys already have already had the talk about um, Scream, right? Obviously, I think that's the quintessential, right? That's the that's yeah. the that's the Bible. Um, but mm-hmm. damn. 90s, the 90s had, had uh, so many good ones, bro. Um, but you know what? The 2000s had a bunch of good ones too. And you know what? Rob Zombie's Halloween, Rob Zombie's mm-hmm. Halloween was Watch. dope. Yep. The, 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 the teeth over the bathroom, uh, at, at the bathroom <laughs> store, when he was standing over men's, taking the shit, oh, oh, it was nothing but bodies caught it was nothing but bodies caught him as a kid. Oh my God. Great. Great. Fucking amazing.
3: It's true. It's true. That's definitely like, you know, where it went, the nineties, allowing it to ground and then, uh, grounding that in more grounded gruesome violence as the years went on has just been fantastic to watch. And Rob Zombie is a real master of doing that.
0: Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I enjoyed that film. There's one thing that I really, really struggle with in movies, and I'm just going to give a, few, uh, uh, like a, com- a complete um, declaration now, is that I'm, very, I'm not very good at sexual violence in films. So there is always one mm. sequence in that film that sticks out for me and therefore um, is a little off-putting for me to watch it again, I'd say. So I have only seen it once.
3: Fair, fair. I think that's that's exactly what Rob Zombie is a master at doing. He's like, can you think of the worst thing, violence-wise? And you're like, yeah, I've got it. And he's like, great. I'm gonna just go one step further than that, and I'm gonna show yeah. it in an even more brutal way. And I think that that's. Yeah. I think you're. It makes sense you feel that way because it is probably the most realistic portrayal I have ever seen on screen that I also care not to watch. I usually just skip that scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember watching it with my partner at the time and he was just watching it and I had to literally leave the room. And I went, turn that film off right now or fast forward that scene because there's no way I'm going to watch that. So he was like, okay. And um, Robert Patrick, I was close. Robert Patrick is the name of the guy from uh, the Terminator and the faculty, which you'll be talking about tomorrow. And I'm so excited. I'm so there. I'm so there. I can't Can't wait. wait. Right, we've got, let's get through these ditties.
3: Hi Keith, hi Shani. Um, great talk you guys are having I I think it's really interesting that you guys are talking about 90s slasher movies specifically because I feel
2: like the 80s were full of slasher movies the 2000s were full of slasher movies and the 90s to me didn't really have that same thing it was a meta time where they were deconstructing the slasher film Mm -hmm. Uh, so I see a lot of sequels and I remember some of the movies you're talking about but it didn't feel like the golden age of slasher movies to me, did it, for you guys? Um,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that was my growing up. That was my time of starting to watch those horror movies and and renting them from Blockbuster. Do you know what I mean? I think uh, I mm-hmm. saw I Know What You Did Last Summer, but I think actually I, might, I may have lied to you. I think I actually saw Halloween H2O before I saw I Know What You Did Last Summer.
3: Oh, I love uh, Halloween H2O. I love it. I, mean, I love that- it, love it, love it.
0: Yeah, that is um, bringing the Halloween franchise into the Scream era, isn't it? Like, in such a clever way.
3: Yep. Well, and I think that's why I consider it the golden age because it's the age in which the genre is at its peak and now able to examine itself and reimagine itself and reform itself in really cool Mm -hmm. new ways. And that's why I kind of do appreciate that there was a Halloween at this time and that we could get that same kind of vibe out of it, but keep the horror, like... I think H2O was still really scary and it's a bummer that it's not considered canon anymore because it's really... Oh, good. yeah. I mean, can we squeeze it in? Can we get it in there mm-hmm. somehow?
0: I'm sure we I'm probably keeping it could in. if we really thought about it.
3: Yeah, I'm if keeping really it in. Could. I decided that Josh had yeah. totally abandoned her after because she just went crazy and started living in the woods and then she had like a one night yeah. stand that made Judy Greer and then we're good. Yeah. We're in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because Judy Greer would have been around the same age. So maybe, like, yeah. I, I, it works, all right, guys. Get over it.
3: <laughs> yep, it's in. It all works. It fits. <laughs> it does. Okay, let's hit a ditty.
5: Yeah, big up, Molly Bay. Do you know what? I didn't I didn't like Harry too. I didn't like the rage. I just thought it was just like watching the first one. Sorry. My opinion, though.
0: Uh, I mean, the first one's a masterpiece. Rage, it's Harry, so bad. the Rage. <laughs> is is it, 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 it
3: exists as
1: a
0: palette
3: it, it, the palette is also strikingly different you know color wise and filmmaking yeah. wise. but yeah story wise there's enough there's enough in common for you know if you got the gist you can get the gist again um but hey to each his own of course
0: each to his own. Seriously, there are some um, horror films that are held up as absolute masterpieces that I'm not a fan of. But I, w- I will talk about that another time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely each to their own. I completely agree. Here we go with a diddy.
5: Yeah, Shani, that's such an amazing point that you've uh, grasped on uh, with Carrie. They could have done it as a separate universe. That would have been a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: I wish. Yeah, if only.
0: Yeah, can you imagine like the uh carry the expanded universe where at some point we have carry endgame where all the carries come together.
3: <laughs> to oh my gosh, that means... <laughs> I might I might be willing to see something like that should someone make it. So we'll see what happens.
0: Take my money. Take my money now. Here we go. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening to my long lecture on the rage carry two. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I realized I was like rambling, but I have no. to. I've been waiting a long time to say all of that. <laughs> uh, so thanks for uh, listening.
0: Oh wow! Uh, Molly, you're I love fine. that. I could, I could just imagine all that pent-up rage. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's so good. That's such a good pun. You've nailed it. That, that's like, so yeah. funny. I love it I mean that's my favorite (laughs) part of my life is that like in my day-to-day job I hear something like that all the time that I have been waiting so long to say that so I like hearing it with horror (laughs) instead of trauma.
0: Absolutely and that's what I'm looking forward to in future chats when people just come on and just say I really love this film and we're like really and uh (laughs) you know that I love that I love that you can do that thank you so much Molly and you didn't ramble on at all this is what we live for so it it was heaven to me.
2: Hey Keith yeah. Andrew, hey Shanny B, how are you guys? I just popped in here. What slays me? What slays me is Keith Andrew's avatar right now because it's so cute. I love <laughs> yes. it. I
3: love. I love it too. I Thank agree. You. I am a little reindeer. Yes.
1: I'm the one. Perfect that for the
0: remits... season. Yeah, exactly. I'm Bambi's mum, so I'm not going to last long.
3: Here we go.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, what's the name? Something. Uh, Fannica Jansen or whatever—I can't remember her name. She was fit. Oh yeah,
3: Jansen. Um, and
5: then you've got um, oh, I think yeah, Josh Hartnett's in it. It was a good freaking mm-hmm. film.
0: It's a great film. Great. Epic film. cast. And I'm really looking forward to. I, literally, I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to your chat tomorrow. Definitely. Fitto. Definitely. Even, yeah, even on if on I, Yeah, even if I can't grab it at the time, because what time is it tomorrow? Ooh, uh, it's what at time 2 is PM. it? All time? 2pm. Uh, yeah, 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 I can do that. I can do that, definitely. Because what, oh, is it, what yeah, time gotta... is it there now?
3: Right it's coming here, up to it's o'clock almost 20. four. Yep. Yeah,
0: that's no problem. I'll, I'll do it before bedtime. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Let's hit the city.
5: Yeah, Keith, it's uh, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick Robert T2, Patrick. mate. We,
0: yes, oh, yeah. we got there in the end. I can't remember what I said. Patrick, something didn't I? Jason Patrick was well, close enough. Yep, maybe there. Yeah,
3: you were close. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi.
0: Hello. Hi. Hello. Hey, oh. Hey, She sounds on. like she's in a she sounds like she's in a nineties movie.
1: Hello. Yep. Who's hello.
0: There? <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> What's your favorite scary <laughs> movie? Uh oh, Shani. Yes. Stay in the house. Lock the doors. Don't get yep. popcorn
2: don't no, do it no, no pop jiffy pop, pop, for it. pop for me <laughs> oh my fucking god it's fixed oh my god oh my god i'm freaking out hi hi that first one was just a dad it was just a test keep the test coming <laughs> i guess
0: oh yes because of course why am i not excited about this for some reason Lacey couldn't uh comment on my um chats because well we don't know why. Anyway, we con- contacted Stereo about it and now it's fixed. Oh. There we go.
3: Oh good. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Thanks. Hey, hey what's up everybody? Much love, peace and positivity. Um I like this um topic so I just wanted to like throw a couple movies out there. I don't know if you guys spoke about them, but these were kinda like, you know, like you people good, like Lawnmower Man, Scanner Cop. Ooh. All of the Scanner Landmower movies, <laughs> Scanner I love so them, bad. they were horror films, they were good, like um, The Fallen with um, Dan South, that was good, so yes. not really viewed as horror, but like movies like that, them just, them just hit, like, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yes.
3: Dude, no, I, I love Lawnmower Man, <laughs> Lawnmower Man yeah. is some great tech horror and a great genre that we should absolutely explore at some point too. But yeah, I love yes, all definitely. that stuff. And uh, Fallen is absolutely a horror movie. It's about demons.
0: Yes. Oh, God. I haven't seen that film in years. And I've got it on DVD. It's, I'm going to watch so that definitely good. over the weekend. Um,
3: oh, such a good isn't one. The
0: Lord Mower Man the film that was based on Stephen King, but Stephen King turned around and went, uh, pardon? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's definitely one. It's an acquired taste. It's pretty cheesy across the board. But it's just really fun to watch a lot of the, that, like, tech horror that comes out. Because, like, there's a Scanners movie that I think you might okay, have been about. Okay, have
2: you all ever seen? watched sorry. Audition? Oh, no, it's I'm a sorry. Japanese one. Um, but I, I gosh, I was actually. so young when it came out. Um, it came out in 99. But I, wa- I think the first time I saw it was in, like, 2001. I was in mm-hmm. high school by then. But that, um, I always go back to being one that, like, kind of always stuck with me of being one of the one of the best like crazy fucking horror foreign films have you seen audition yes
0: shani i'm so sorry i put my phone down on the bed and my thumb knocked the button i i massively no problem
1: so no sorry. problem what at
0: was, all sorry then we can go on to Lacey's questions
4: sorry what, um
3: oh, i was just stupid. just <laughs> saying that like it's it's a little bit cheesy but it's cool because you know that that fear of like technology coming up with like terminator was in horror looking like you know what if tech like gets inside of us or like attacks us in psychotic ways or gets in our brains and so it's pretty amazing lawnmower man yeah is a stephen king story like when you watch it the effects and the like computer generated terrible images yeah. are so good so it's definitely not scary but it's it's worth a watch
0: no, that's it um, Lacey, we're going to do a chat, um, hopefully very soon, about um, ho- uh, foreign horror movies. So mm-hmm. I'd really love to keep um, audition uh, for that if that's possible. But I just want to say that I do love that film, and yes. uh, we'll, we'll do an extensive talk about audition because I just want to quickly round off our uh, well, the nineties slasher movies part one. Uh, just very quickly mm-hmm. talking about Scream three and four. So well, I mean um,
3: Scream- yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, Scream 3 for me is the weakest of the series.
3: Mm. I mean, it's interesting because I I appreciated it at the time because once I found out that Kevin Williamson really like didn't do the script and someone else was sort of going to try to stay with what he had, I thought that mm-hmm. was done pretty well, right? Like, I wish he had rounded it out and been able to kind of go wherever he wanted, but I think that this dude who came in and finished it off, like, did as much justice as could be done, I think, you know, like with where we were. Sure. Um, and I love the I idea do- of, you know, keeping all of the traditions there by referencing, you know, like the third film was about returning home. So we need to be returning home in some way, you know, like they, I feel like he yeah. really stayed in the, in the zeitgeist of everything so that he wasn't trying to make it his own. He was like, I'm going to try to finish the story as written, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. And I think that um, the reason was, wasn't Kevin Williamson off making Dawson's Creek or something at the time? Uh, Wasn't he rounding that off or something like that, wasn't it?
3: Yep. Um, yep, What do you think about.
0: Sure. What do you think about Sydney having a brother?
3: I mean, I thought that that was kind of interesting because it really does go into sort of like this idea of generational patterns. You know, like her mom had this whole entire life before she came. And that's the truth of all of our parents. But they usually don't have a life that is so far from the one we'll know them having. And so I liked the idea that they were like, she had this whole other identity. And that is something you could have seen coming knowing that she had affairs. And she sort of had two personalities in Sydney's life. So to see that that was an entire life she lived and she rebranded. And that's why Sydney didn't know what was happening. And that's why all of this ultimately was able to happen. I loved. Yeah. I just I didn't know if we needed it to be that he was there from the beginning. Like I yes. thought it could have been fine for him to sort of say that he'd shown up and that she was not about it and then the next he saw she was dead and he felt so happy, but now everyone liked you. Like I that would have been enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It did throw me the fact that they sort of did it as a I mean, they did it with the video with Brandy, didn't they? We were saying, you know, we've got to go right back to the beginning. There's something that we don't know about the, the original story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, OK, OK. I mean, we went there. We did it. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I, 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 sit through screen three. It's not my favourite. But then it leads us on to screen four, which I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw it in the cinema, I freaking loved it.
1: Oh, I
0: thought it was yes, excellent.
3: Yep, exactly. Like, they they were able to sort of reattach to, you know, that living thing that existed so many years ago and pick right up in a way that sort of was, like, appropriate to all of the growth we had done in between the films, too, right? Like, they acknowledged that time passed for all of us so that we weren't just sort of picking right back up or going into the past. Like, we were doing exactly what they started doing, and to do it in the 2010 age was such a perfect time to place it like i just yeah. appreciate so much of the the nodding and the homaging even to itself that it got to do by reinvigorating what screen four like i had such a great time in the theater i was like on a high for days after it was so good
0: yeah i agree and i love that opening sequence where the the opening sequence was somebody watching stab three or four and then like it just was like an opening sequence within so it was like sort of you know poking fun at itself in the way that
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know the false opening and like people <laughs> talking about the saw films I just thought it was excellent yeah. I thought that opening was brilliant
3: well it and was also um... acknowledging that it had started this trend of sort of meta horror but it also started a trend of sequels because it yeah. was a successful horror film that brought the sequel idea back again and that got totally exploited with the saws and all of the, you know, other stupid horror movies that need to take a break.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also I just want to say how violent that film is. I think it's probably the most brutal screen movie like some of the deaths in that ghost um, Ghostface in that film is not holding back at all. He is like feral in that film.
3: I mean, I, that's so funny that you say that, because I feel like he only really appears that way to me in the open. Like, in all of the great little false oh. openings, I feel like the violence is stronger, and I feel like because they did half a CG knife, it just doesn't look as real to me. And, and everybody pretty much dies with, like, a single stab after the open. Sure. Like... Just like single stabs of people, and I'm kind of like, hey, like, where, where are those inserts of like this guy loving that he's ripping up somebody's back right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you those? See, that's interesting. And why are we just? Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know. Because I watched. It, them... That is so
3: funny. Yeah, I watched them
0: back to back at Halloween, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that Ghostface was the most brutal in the fourth one. There's a scene when he's in the room. Do you remember the bit when he's in the opposite house and they're looking through the window? And he kills mm-hmm. the girl. There mm-hmm. is, it, is, it is brutal. It is, I, I was quite shocked, actually, having watched the first three literally on the same mm-hmm. day and then watching the fourth one, like, in the morning of the next day. I was like, whoa, okay. We're going there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Violent. And I love that. And I love the whole... Journey. The only thing I was a little bit um, sad about was that Courtney Cox was sidelined quite early on. You know, we didn't have yeah. a lot of... Uh, of uh, Gale action in the sort of second and third act of the film, which I thought was a bit sad. But um, yeah, yeah, otherwise I thought performances were excellent. And I love the reveal uh, of the killer at the end and also the fact that uh, the killer thinks that Sydney's dead and then is told (laughs) that she's not. And then that whole sequence plays out. Brilliant.
3: Yes, I I totally agree.
0: Sure. I'm very aware of the time, but I just want to ask you one uh, very quick question, if possible. Uh, What would you like to see from Scream 5?
3: I mean, I'd like to see what happens to the next generation. I really need Sydney to have children or to try to get married or to try to do, again, what a normal life is. Because the best screams were when she was trying to live a normal life. She was just trying Mm -hmm. to live in the wake of her mother's murder. She's just trying to go to college after what happened to her in high school. And in Scream 3, she's like hiding so that's not really I think that's probably why we don't like it so much and in Scream 4 she's trying to move on with her life and write a book so I need her to do something meaningful not just be there because people are getting murdered you know that's too cheap for me at this point.
0: I agree I agree with you I'm really looking forward to it I want some sort of very neat twist I want them to reflect the horror genre of today which is quite brooding if you think about the horror Mm -hmm. films that we're having we've got like things like Midsummer and Hereditary. I'm just wondering how they're going to take that feel and move it on mm-hmm. with uh, with the horror that we're living in today. I'm going to be really interested in that. And I want to see Stu back.
3: Me too. I'll take it. I'll take it. I want to see some Stu. Because honestly, yeah. if they could figure out a way to say that Stu had like some sort of severe brain damage, so he was actually, you know, essentially a vegetable the whole time and then kind of yeah. has only been awake for such a little while, like there might be something there with you well, know, I know what, what do we do, do with that
0: yeah he can definitely do it because he was in um a couple of years back well about two years back actually he was in the uh the return of twin peaks and he Ooh. was gave he gave an amazing performance in that so i know that he's still got that the ability to do stew justice so i definitely want him back 100 percent uh, just get through with, um, are you okay for the ditties or do you have to run
3: no, yeah, let's do the ditties, and then we can wrap it up and pick up again soon for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right, well, Here
2: then I'll just go fuck off, because I was just <laughs> reading your topic that just said 90s slasher movies, what slays you, and I just, that was the first one that I thought of from the 90s, and sorry, <laughs> I'll, I don't know, I don't have much to say about the Scream movies, because I was stupid and watched them again as an adult, and I I thought, why was I scared of this as a child? I, d- I don't know. I mean, they're great movies to an extent, but I guess when I watch a horror film, I really want to, I don't know, be freaked out by stuff that s- seems more like it's uh, not going to happen. I don't know, maybe. Interesting.
3: Yeah, fair. Interesting. You know? Yeah, fair.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're massive screen fans. Me and uh, Shani B, we are like... <laughs> We are ghost face. I mean, I have a ghost face mask that I wear. I'm a true scholar. More, yeah, more um, regular than I should, actually. (laughs) It's not a a fetish thing, I promise
2: you. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, your dog in the saw movies. I loved, loved the saw movies, but I think I just really liked playing the games and like feeling like I was like, in it mentally like solving the puzzles and figuring it out before them so i don't know it right. kept me on my toes and oh, i really no, liked no, no. all no, no, of no, 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 no. them
0: Lacey, you've got the wrong end of the stick wrong end of the stick uh, in screen four the characters this the um the saw movie saying that they just get bad worse and worse and worse and it reflects in the opening sequences of uh, of that movie so we're not dissing them although i only like no, the first no. one
3: um, I mean, I like I the like best. them for the same reasons that she likes them. I keep watching them because the games are amazing. I just feel like they yeah. sometimes drop the ball on story where in the beginning they were really good at figuring out a way to make this story also human so that these larger-than-life mm-hmm. games, you had a reason to want the person to get out, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, by the end, you just wanted the person to stay in and get ripped apart.
3: Yeah, you were like, I can't wait to see what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: There's something wrong with us.
3: (laughs) But I'm okay with it.
0: Or there's something really right with us. I I prefer that one, actually.
3: Yep, I'll take that one, too.
4: (laughs) I think Ghostface and his style of killing and how he operates will be great during, like, quarantine, pandemic style. Like, it's like a kid in a candy (laughs) shop. He'll know where everybody is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how to get them easy he could even use their social medias to track them down because they know where they're going to be because <laughs> everybody posting everything during the pandemic <laughs> okay i'm yep. done yeah. i mean that
3: is accurate
0: can you imagine if the whole story of Scream five is just ghostface tracking down gail dewey and you know sydney just using their snapchat
3: I mean I feel like they could find a way to make that be superbly grounded so I am looking forward to it I am
0: too I am too Shani B this has been absolute heaven for me I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed it and I I cannot wait to uh, have another conversation with you with the 90s slasher movies part two and obviously we're going to do some foreign films as well and I and I, I I mean um horror sequels that to me is yep. just going to be perfect so i cannot thank you enough Th- thanks um and we'll arrange something again uh, give me a message on instagram and we'll arrange it for next time
3: absolutely absolutely i've had such a wonderful time talking with you i have enjoyed myself as much as i think you have so i cannot wait and thanks everyone who was listening
1: um thank you very yeah, much you a- and don't forget
0: yeah don't forget to listen to shani b's chat tomorrow um she's going to be discussing the faculty Um, one of my favourite films also from the 90s so yeah please do tune in for that because that is going to be awesome
3: thank you, thank you again this was wonderful, I hope you have a super evening,
0: thank you very much you too my lovely, you take care
3: bye
1: thank you, bye bye